Welcome to this special podcast from Turquoise International, a leader in venture capital finance specialising in energy, environment and efficiency. I'm Juliana Needham. In this podcast, we look at capital raising. We discuss what startups and entrepreneurs should consider when seeking investment and examine some of the big challenges during the capital raising process. I spoke to Ian Thomas, who is a managing director at Turquoise, and to director David Casali. You'll hear from Ian first, giving his advice to those looking for investment for the first time. David then answers the second question. Firstly, it's going to be a long haul, so you need to be resilient. Secondly, try to be realistic about the terms uh, you're going to be offered, particularly on valuation. And thirdly, keep an eye on running the business at the same time as speaking to investors. And what would you say the biggest challenge is for an entrepreneur or a startup looking for that first round of external investments? Well, I think, you know, it is a very difficult market to get the money. So the, the hardest thing facing an entrepreneur today is this process of raising the capital. Um, most companies are failing because of a lack of capital. I think there's very few companies that would not be successful if they could have whatever capital was available to them. You know, it, it's getting longer. People want to take longer to make investment decisions. And why is it harder now? I think um, economic cycles, we're not in a period of the cycle where there's uh, abundant funds out there seeking homes. I think we've been through what I would loosely call the Copenhagen era, where McKinsey came out and said, if we did everything, every technology that's available today to the maximum, we might just avoid a two degree warming world. And I think that sent a lot of investors, high net worths into a kind of, I'm going to do something about this mode. And it was, where do I spend the money rather than what do I spend it on? Not all of those investments have been very successful. But I think now we've got a more mature backdrop to the issues of climate, uh, by and large around the world. The leaders of the world are convinced that this is a problem that needs solving. But what we need now is scalable solutions. And what's the most common mistake made early on in the process? I think uh, inexperienced uh, entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs who are inexperienced in fundraising have a tendency to get disappointed with some of the proposals that they receive from investors. And they can be prone to closing off those conversations too early without really understanding what the market is saying about their business. And what most impresses investors when they meet startups or entrepreneurs for the first time? The first challenge you have as an entrepreneur getting in front of investors is to strike that very difficult balance between demonstrating uh, the opportunity and your enthusiasm for it, um, but not overselling. And what least impresses investors? I think arguably um, in a kind of a one-hour pitch, um, there is a tendency for investors to be impressed by people who are very good presenters and and arguably not look beyond that to the um, underlying state of the business. But clearly that usually comes out in due diligence. How do you go about establishing a valuation of a business that's never had any external investment? Well, there are a number of common tools that are used by entrepreneurs and business school graduates and and investors alike. I think I've struggled ever to see a a deck from a company where the sales growth chart goes down for a bit and then along for a bit and then down a bit more and then suddenly turns a corner and goes up. They tend to all be the hockey stick. So we are just at this cusp of explosive sales in our business. And that tends not to always be true. Um, so keep keeping a, a modicum of reality um, in it is important. And, and I get the ultimate test is actually the investor will let you know. As an entrepreneur, if you're a listening entrepreneur, not a telling entrepreneur, you will listen to those investors and go, do you know what? Actually, I get, I get their perspective. So let's come and meet them somewhere in the middle. 
And how do you address the issue of dilution? It's really quite simple. Um, Having a small piece of a big pie is better than a big piece of a small pie. Um, And also bear in mind that uh, over the lifetime of the business, there will be some ups and downs. But if the management team is good, then the investors will need to incentivize them along the way. Um, to to stay with that company. So it's not always the first bite of the cherry that's most important. And is there often a lot of toing and froing on the issue of dilution? Oh, certainly. Um, Of course, the founders of businesses value their businesses very highly and they're not keen to give away big chunks to investors. But quite often, that's the price of raising capital. What I think you can also do is you can look at the journey that both the entrepreneur and the investor is going to take. Um, you, You need to explain to both the investor and the entrepreneur that they will both be needed on this journey to wherever they want to go, which may not be the end of the, that company, it might be exit, might be some 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 event in the future that, that they, everyone puts a, a value on. So unless you can get there in one jump, and I don't think we've seen many companies that can get there in one jump, there will be further rounds of funding. And if there are further rounds of funding, there's a new guy in the room called the new investor that we haven't met yet. And the new investor that we haven't met yet will also have their view. So both the entrepreneur and the investor need to look at that dilution profile and the stages so that when you get to the end of the journey you're an entrepreneur with enough of the business of a size that gives you the exit that you were looking for. Have any businesses come to you that aren't in the kind of shape that you can have any involvement with them and then return at a later date either with better systems in place or they've reorganised their finances? We see lots of businesses like that Um, but that's partly because we're very open to having conversations with people at a very early stage and quite often the the business is at too early a stage but a year or so later they come back uh, in a much better shape and uh, we're happy then to engage with them. And what kind of advice would you give to such a business? Well, we're very happy to try and point them in the direction of early stage angel type investors. We know a lot of the networks in the UK and uh, we, wherever we can, we try to be helpful to those entrepreneurs so that uh, later they can come back and raise institutional financing, hopefully through us. Quite often the, the target they're looking at is the target of being able to come back to firms like ours to say, right, we have now got a business that's in the kind of shape with a prototype of what we're doing or something that investors can really get to grips with Uh, and so actually we're kind of coaching them in a way as to what they need to bring back to us so that we have a fighting chance of being able to raise the capital that they need once it gets to the multiple millions. What's the most complicated fundraising transaction you've been involved in and how did you go about structuring it? I think the most complex one I can remember was where we were uh, an incoming investor in a business that had raised several rounds of capital, mostly from high net worth individuals, and as a result had a very complicated share structure. And the existing shareholders knew that it needed to be simplified, but they were unable to reach agreement amongst themselves about how to do that. So we made a proposal to strip away the various share classes, consolidate them, um, and they, which they agreed to, and that allowed us to make our investment. Could you talk us through some of the deals you've been involved in recently and explain why they're interesting? I think one of the most interesting ones recently was a capital raising for a company called Teva Motors, which is a UK business developing electric trucks. Um, And we assisted them in bringing in £10 million of investment from an Indian uh, conglomerate. Um, Electric vehicles are obviously very much in the news, but the reality is that raising investment into businesses in that sector is very difficult. 
Um, those companies do require a lot of capital and there is a concern that they face huge competition from the existing OEMs in the automotive industry. But Teva is a, a homegrown, extremely innovative business that has thus far succeeded. A business that, that we've been working on called Sustainable Marine Energy, which typifies, I think, a lot of the things we've been talking about today. So we're an investor in, in, in Sustainable Marine Energy. The industry has found it extremely hard to adapt to the challenges of of wave and tidal energy. But sustainable marine energy is stuck in there. The, the journey has been extremely long. They have they started off in the Isle of Wight uh, with a subsurface uh, tidal energy device. Um, they then moved uh, to Scotland and attempted to uh, deploy that device in, uh, in Scotland in very, very challenging conditions. They then moved to southern Scotland because the um, conditions there were a little bit more favorable for testing. And now they've deployed into, uh, into Canada. So that entrepreneurial team has been asked to move around, to adapt their technology, to find funding wherever they can. They're still going strong. We invested early on as Low Carbon Innovation Fund, but latterly with a strategic investor that is very aligned to this industry, but not in this industry. And by working closely with that strategic investor, they've survived the pitfalls that a lot of others have not been able to avoid. Um, what big trends have you seen emerge in the capital-raising environment for the sectors that you're exposed to, energy, environment and efficiency? Over the past five years, I'd say one of the main trends on the investor side has been the emergence of corporate investors um, and reduced activity amongst financial investors, uh, VC funds and others. Um, the corporates are now much more interested in investing in early stage technologies that are relevant to their business. Some of them have venture capital arms and others are investing from the, the balance sheet. Yeah, and I think we've seen a lot of funding come in for very early stage businesses before they come to us. And we don't want to turn that supply of capital off. But, you know, companies need to wean themselves off large grant funding, uh, you know, crowdfunding. It, that has been very supportive of early, very early stage startup, literally, blank sheet of paper through to the kind of time when we might get involved. I think it is like a changing of the of the diet of a of a startup to go into the commercial market with uh, corporates with their venture capital arms, who are much more used to um, setting high standards and detailed due diligence, which for a number of companies comes as a bit of a shock and therefore makes it longer for to get through all of the things they need to be doing to to meet those that long list of questions we mentioned earlier that that most investors in our space will need answering and if there's one piece of advice you'd give an entrepreneur or a startup looking for external funding in 2019 what would it be unless you're very lucky the capital raising process is going to take some time uh, by which i mean 6 months 9 months possibly 12 months so uh, I come back to my comments earlier about the need to be resilient, about the need to be realistic uh, and not closing off conversations too early simply because the, you, you don't like the terms that the investors are proposing. As an ex-Shell man, I mean, Shell um, talked a lot about and still does talk a lot about scenarios and they didn't invent scenarios, but they, 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 the idea of scenarios is a good one in energy. And I think entrepreneurs need to consider scenarios and the scenario they need to consider is what happens if I can't get the capital in the time frame that I need it. As a high capital and high operating cost business with no revenue, you are very exposed to that risk. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't really think about that enough.
That was David Casali ending the interview. I spoke to David and his colleague Ian Thomas about what companies looking to raise capital should and shouldn't do. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this special podcast from Turquoise International.